Do you have any fan feelings? Catch a Fan Feeling, a podcast about queer fandom. Welcome to this episode of Catch a Fan Feeling. This is the first recording as a resident of Radio Vakarmen. I'm super excited that we're here now. We're in Anderlecht in Brussels and there's a very special guest today. Welcome, Dominique. Hello, and, thank um, you. Yeah, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm Dominique de Groen. Um, I'm a writer and um, a poet mostly. I also work with visual art, with video um, and Yeah, I'm just also um, a fangirl. Um, I think I'm mostly a Britney Spears fan. And I've also done some research into fandom because I'm super fascinated by the whole concept of fan culture. That's why I'm so excited to have you here. <laughs> yeah, since it's been a while that I released the last episode of this podcast, I will quickly introduce myself and talk a bit about how it started before we get into the conversation. Um I'm an artist based in Brussels and I started this episode, this podcast in, in German because it felt like it was necessary to have more um, queer German podcasts. Now there's actually quite a lot of them um, and somehow it felt a bit strange to not be based in Germany but then make a podcast about stuff that's happening in Germany. So um, yeah, it feels good right now to be in Brussels, invite people from and around Brussels and um, do this in English. And yeah, so since quite a while I'm interested in fandom and what it means to be a fan, I was looking mostly in my own fandom and I noticed there are a lot of moments in my life where I met someone or like an album was released um, that I've been waiting for forever and or I watched a movie and it really um, is connected to some important moments in my life that changed the way I was thinking or... Um, was acting in some way and how these moments are yeah very closely connected to my biography so that's a bit how I started this, this idea for the podcast came to my mind to get to know more about other people's fandoms and also of course as a possibility to to invite people that I'm a fan of Which leads me to you, Dominique, because um, yeah, my my friend Eline connected us. Shout out to Eline. She told me about this a workshop you did about writing fan fiction, mm -hmm, and yeah. um, I was really into that, and I was really sad I couldn't join. But then we managed to meet a few weeks ago, and it was so nice, and it was so um, great to meet someone who is also yeah so much into fandom and like pop culture and the connection of that and. Yeah, it just doesn't happen so often. And it felt also like validating somehow to meet someone who's to see that this um, working around that is, it is super fun, but there's also more to it than, than that. I wanted to start this, and this is a little bit of ex an experiment. With okay. a mini fan fiction that we um, start now and at the end of the episode we finalize it. And we just start by um, if you can think of a place or an activity that you really enjoy 
or like some kind of food that you really like just so that we can get kind of a scenery where we can later bring in all these um, people that, we, that you're a fan of? A scenery or an activity that I really yeah. enjoy? Um, let's see. Hiking in the mountains. Great. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Then let's keep that in mind. Hiking in the mountains. Okay. And we'll get back to it later. Oh, this is exciting. <laughs> and then to start, I was thinking if you could talk a bit about how you define fandom, like um, what it means to you. Um, yeah, so this is something I've thought about a lot, what it means to be a fan. Um, I think when I think back to when I first became a fan, like it was really funny because I was thinking about this today for the podcast. Um, like what was the first thing I was a fan of? And then always I thought I found it, but then I remembered something that came earlier or that came, be came before. Ah. <laughs> so for me, I think it's something that I've always, since I was a child, I was always a fan of something. So I think in a way being a fan, I think it can be a very important part of your self-definition. Um, I think a lot of people kind of define themselves to some extent in relation to something that they're a fan of or because they recognize something of themselves in it and um, and in that sense they feel kind of understood or um, or they maybe feel less alone. And then that also ties into the fact that I think fandom is something that also creates like can or can create like a sense of community and maybe sometimes it's not even so much about the thing that you're a fan of but also about the people that you meet because you share um, because you share this interest and maybe those connections um, are even more valuable than your connection to the to the person or the tv series that you're that you're a fan of the fact that you meet people maybe in online spaces or um, fan forums or stuff like this and yeah that you have like this shared interest and the solidarity in, in, in talking about these things mm -hmm. um, and then finally this is like one of my pet theories that I think that um, like celebrities are kind of like our modern day it's like kind of a spirituality or I see them as like the maybe like even an equivalent of um, like saints or folk heroes that people used to have and now those have been maybe replaced to some extent by the celebrities that we talk about and they're almost like like when you gossip about celebrities it doesn't even matter if those things that you gossip about really happened it's more about sharing stories and having this kind of um, st story as a society or as a group of people that you tell about um, about this public figure mm -hmm. oh, I love that theory <laughs> I feel like <laughs> somehow it, it resonates yeah like uh, I can totally I was actually talking with my grandma the other day, but she was like, no, but you cannot, uh, this, this feeling of being like, uh, of believing in God, uh, you cannot uh, com um, uh, compare it to anything else. And I was like, no, but nowadays we have so many different ways mm -hmm. of creating a kind of community that can be like this and just in different ways. And um, it was interesting to talk and she halfly understood me oh, but okay yeah <laughs> she was open to it yeah but i guess of course it's very different than like actual religion or something yeah. but i think it maybe fulfills a similar need yeah, for, for yeah. people yeah especially what you were saying about community also mm -hmm. i really like um yeah it's, and i feel like what i also think is interesting that it almost creates like a kind of certain language like almost a secret language that that also brings you closer together that not yeah. nobody else or n only people that are part of that community kind of understand 
um, in talking about certain things in a certain way. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if you look at um, places like Stan Twitter, which is um, maybe for for people who don't know it, like um, it's like a Stan is like a term for like a really hardcore fan. Um, so you can be a Stan of different, like you, you can be a, a Britney Spears Stan or something else, or Buffy the Vampire Slayer Stan. And then there's like Stan Twitter, which is the place on Twitter where all these stands like gather, and it really has like its own lingo that people. Like it has like it, its own terms, and if you read these tweets as an outsider, then you probably won't even understand most of it because it's yeah, as you say, it's like a secret underground language, and that is so interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And do you feel like you you speak that language well, and part probably of certain yeah. um, kind of yeah. yeah. I mean. Uh, I am um, active on a Britney Spears fan forum, so I've kind of obs like absorbed um, some of the some of the language. Um, I'm not really active on Twitter, so I don't like I'm not really that deep into the Stan Twitter language. Um, but like I have a superficial knowledge of it, so so I can I can understand some of it. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say with this, maybe we go to our first song. Yeah. Um, we talk about it afterwards, I would say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Or do you want to say something before? Um, oh, I can just say like a yeah. short. Yeah. yeah. So this is a, it's a song by a band called Twaras. They're a Dutch band and they were like one of the first bands I was a really big fan of. I think I was 10 or 11 years old and it's probably the first concert I, I ever went to. So. <laughs> such a nice song yeah i still love it but yeah it's also because of the nostalgia i think of course very very 90s vibes and yeah i think it came out in 2000 or 2001 uh, yeah. so Wh who did you go with to the concert was it by yourself or with friends uh it was with my best friend at the time uh, melissa um and we i think we were probably in the fifth or sixth year of elementary school um and so we were both like huge fans of Twaras. Uh and we even had like uh we had like a book um that we made. Um it was like an, I remember it, the cover was like kind of orange like plasticky orange and then we cut out all kinds of pictures of the singer of the band and we put them in the book. Um and it was called like the handsome guy book or something <laughs> like this like very embarrassing and i think then we took turns like who could keep the book for a week and then yeah i would keep it and then give it to her and then she would give it back so that was like one of my first wow. like communal fan experiences and then yeah we went to the concert together with like our parents dropping us off and then waiting in the car outside <laughs> 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 but the book like you you would keep adding stuff or it was just like no you can look at the book for one week and now you can look at the book for one week we kept adding yeah, oh, yeah. because then after a while like other pe people started appearing in the book as well like then ah. uh, I think then um, we're also Lord of the Rings fans so then like pictures of Legolas like Orlando Bloom would Aww. also come into the book um, I yeah, was also a fan of Legolas yeah <laughs> it was like my favorite person in <laughs> in the film but it was like yeah in those days it was um like google just existed i think it was yeah so it was like really i remember being on my dad's computer and like the images like loading really really slowly like almost pixel by pixel and like looking up these 
pictures and then printing them with like a really crappy inkjet printer to put them in this book. So it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Do you still have the book? No, I was looking for it earlier, but I yeah I couldn't find it anymore. So yeah, of course uh, we had like a, a falling out at the end of elementary school. So then we stopped being friends. Um, and then we went to different schools as well, and maybe she kept the book. I yeah mm-hmm. I don't know what mm-hmm. happened to it. Yeah. Well, but you have still have the memory, and it sounds really cool. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, that brings me also to the next uh, kind of cat- category, which is uh, teenage fandom. Mm-hmm. So um, you already talked about this band. I'm not sure about how to pronounce their name, so that's why I'm kind of avoiding uh, it. Oh, uh, was it um, Pulp? Or no, 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 this band. Uh, oh, Twaros, this band. Yeah, yeah Twaros. Yeah, Twaros, okay, yes. sorry. Twaros, sorry, I thought you Twaros. were talking no. about the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so you were a fan of Twaros, but who was uh, who else uh, were you a fan of as a teenager? Like, did you have some posters in your room and... Um, who who was on it uh yeah i had some posts i had like one poster that was um because i had like a very tall bed you know like the beds with like a desk underneath mm-hmm. uh so i slept like right beneath the ceiling and then so i had a big poster like on the ceiling like wow. right above where i was sleeping and that was eminem <laughs> um, so that's cool yeah i was a really really big eminem fan i even uh dressed up as eminem for the school carnival one time And then I kept like randomly dressing up as him like throughout, like when friends would come over to play, then I would be like, okay, I'm going to dress up as Eminem now and I'm just going to be Eminem for the rest of the afternoon. (laughs) So I was like really, really, um, yeah, you could say I was a stan. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it sounds also like a cool style, like kind of big clothes and big t-shirts. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I felt really comfortable in those yeah. kinds of... I was also a bit of a of a tomboy, I guess. So mm-hmm. I, I, I felt really... Yeah, that was really my my vibe. Yeah. Um, But you wouldn't go like this to school? No, only the one time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. For for the carnival. Um, And then other posters I had. I had a Christina Aguilera one. I was a really big fan of, of hers as well. Um, Especially because I remember when, uh, when she released Dirty. Um, That was like such a important moment for me as a young girl like seeing I'm sure you remember the video for for Dirty uh it's like she's dancing in like this really like in like a boxing ring and she's wearing like almost no clothes like a really short skirt and she's like dancing really provocatively and it was like when I saw this on the television as as an 11 year old girl I was like oh my god wow this like this woman is like wow she's so amazing and it was like I don't know like kind of like a sexual awakening to see a woman just it felt really like empowering in a way to just see her being so shameless and so herself and uh, just yeah Mm -hmm. not really caring about what other people thought of her Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so that was really uh, a really important moment for me too so to see that so Yeah, then nice. I became a big fan of hers. Were you allowed to watch um, TV or these music videos or did you do it in secret? Um, no, I was allowed to do it, but I only had like, um, I had half an hour a day. I was allowed to watch MTV. Um, so that was like really sacred for me, this mm-hmm. half hour. Um, and there were like three uh, three channels where they would show music videos. You had MTV and then you had uh, TMF and TV. And so I would always be switching back and forth between the three channels 
to make the most of my half hour because <laughs> there were certain videos that I really wanted to see every time. But of course, you couldn't control the programming mm -hmm. like you were dependent on on what they were showing. So if they were showing something I didn't want to see on the one channel, I would switch really quickly to the to the next one. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't miss like any mm -hmm. any of mm -hmm. the stuff I wanted. I really wanted to see. Mm -hmm. Wow, only half an hour. So you didn't really watch any of the shows, really more like the music videos. Like yeah, it was really just the music videos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. Yeah. I I totally missed this whole MTV music because I wasn't allowed to. Or I think we also didn't have MTV as a channel because we only had like oh, public okay. TV or something. So I feel like I'm missing a big part of uh, <laughs> <laughs> 90s culture. But then you could catch up later yeah, on, yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. But they're still like, I feel like never, never wholly got the experience. Mm -hmm, yeah, the full experience of sitting there like, are they going to show I'm a slave for you by Britney yeah. <laughs> <laughs> before my half hour is over? <laughs> so, yeah, you were already a fan of Britney then? Or when did that start? Uh, yeah, um, I think I became a fan of her around the time her third album came out. Uh, like the self-titled, it's called Britney. Um Yeah, that must have been like 2001, I think. Um, I should know the exact year, actually, but I don't. Um, yeah, so I got the album for Christmas um, one time. And then from the moment I heard this album, I was totally hooked. Uh, and so that's the album that has I'm a Slave for You and um, Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman and Overprotected. So like it has all of the classics. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, after hearing this, like, bought all the all the previous albums um yeah that's kind of where it's where it started mm -hmm. and when did you start going on um, fan forums um that only came later actually yeah. when i was a teenager i only went on um on like game forums like, like the sims 2 specifically mm. uh so that was like the the only forums i went on as a teenager and i only started being active on the britney spears forum uh, a couple of years ago, actually, mm. because of the whole Free Britney um, mm -hmm. thing. I was doing a lot of research on this around 2018, 2019. And then I came across this forum and I was so surprised it was still active. Because for me, forums is really something from the earlier internet. Mm -hmm. And a lot of forums have become really inactive because uh, now it's more social media that people are using. Um, and forums, it's like it's kind of a culture that's really dying uh, so that for me was a really nice discovery to see that this fan forum was still alive and kicking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, after our, our last uh, conversation, after we met, I was also like, okay, I want to get more into forums. And then, mm -hmm. but I didn't really know where to start. So then I signed up for, for Reddit. <laughs> ah, okay. And I felt like it was also still quite active, but also very young. I don't know. Or it's always hard to say because you don't really know the age of the other people. But um, yeah, on Reddit, it really depends on the subreddit i think there's mm. a lot of variation between the different subreddits because the like each of them is like kind of a microcosm mm -hmm. in itself so that's what i find interesting about it as well mm -hmm. yeah so let's move a little bit further more towards young adult fandom and uh who you felt like influenced you on your way or got you into doing what you're doing now um, can also be like friends or blogs that you were reading or certain books. Um, okay, that's a good question. Uh, I think I went through like uh, so I had like my whole pop phase um, as an earlier as an early teen, and then then I went through kind of a phase like uh, when I was maybe 
14 or 15, 16, when I was like, oh no, pop music is not cool anymore. Um, now I only listen to rock music. <laughs> um, so I started listening to, to punk and then also to some older rock music. So I got really into uh, David Bowie and T-Rex and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then there came a moment when I was... This is actually kind of funny as well because I was on the Sims 2 fan forum and there I met um, a girl. I mean, I never met her in real life. I only knew her on the forum. I remember her username was a girl called Juliet or something <laughs> like this. And she lived in England and I thought she was so cool and I really looked up to her. And Because of what you posted? Yeah, because... Um, yeah, people would make make stories inside of The Sims and then post them. Um, and I really enjoyed her writing. Like, she was a really good writer. Uh, and she was also, I think she was like a year older than me. And sometimes she would post pictures of herself and she just looked so cool and so edgy. And I was like, oh, I want to be her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she was always posting about this band that she listened to, which was called Pulp. Um, they're an English band, like kind of from... Kind of from the same era as Britpop, but they're not really Britpop. They're um, kind of like their own separate genre, I would say, or separate style. Um, And so because of her, because I looked up to her so much, I started listening to Pulp too, and I got really, really into them. And I think they've been like a super big influence on my life um, because their lyrics were really... um, lyrics were a very important part of their music. Uh, the songwriter Jarvis Cocker was like really like almost a poet, um, but in pop songs or like pop pop rock kind of. Um, and he would always tell like very vivid stories in his songs about like just ordinary people and always very much very political as well. It's often from like a lower class perspective, always these kinds of figures or like girls or people who have kind of been forgotten by society and then the songs kind of tell their stories from a very empathetic point of view um there's and yeah like his writing there's like a real craft to it and there's also like a sense of anger about the way the system treats certain people or but it's also always very funny like very dark humor um and I think, yeah, their music really influenced me as a writer, basically. Ah, oh, nice. And how did you, because I feel like, I think at a young age, I didn't even never really listen to the text, especially not if they were in English. Or, so did you specifically like look at the lyrics or could you understand them? How, how was that? Or did it happen later when you were able to speak English better? Um, yeah, that actually came really early. I remember um, even... Even when I was like 10 or 11, I would always, um, I would copy the lyrics from from a song or I would look them up online. Um, I remember doing this with like the lyrics of a Shakira song, for example, like Objection, it's a song by her. And um, I would look up the lyrics in English and then I would try to translate them into Dutch using like a dictionary and Mm -hmm. using Google Translate and all this kind of stuff. Um, or no, Google Translate didn't exist yet, but you had other like other kind of similar stuff at the time. So I still have. I think I probably still have some of these um, some of these notebooks with like my own really really crappy translations, mm-hmm. which often make no sense at all. But uh, but yeah. So even at that age, I was already trying to to understand the English and really concerned with the lyrics. So that's always been like a like a very important part of the experience for me. Mm-hmm. 
nice. Well, we'll get back to it again later, but for now we're going to listen to the next song, yeah. uh, which is the Slim Shady, which kind of refers to what you were talking about before. Do you want to say something about it? Yeah, well, it's actually not, a, it's like a parody song of Slim Shady, um, but it's, uh, yeah, but I think maybe people should listen to it and yes. I'll, tell about, <laughs> I'll tell about it afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, do you want to say some more about the song? Uh, yeah, sure. So this is, um, it's a hoax, basically, because this was circulating online uh, and it was claimed that this was uh, by Christina Aguilera. Because uh, to give some background in his song, The Real Slim Shady, Eminem disses Christina Aguilera and he says some really horrible things about her in, in the song. Uh, so they had like some kind of feud um, also because apparently Christina Aguilera once said in an interview like she had a crush on Eminem and then he made fun of her and then, you know, it's oh. and then it kind of escalated from there. So um, and then so this this track or it kind of masquerades as a response by Christina Aguilera to Eminem's Real Slim Shady. Um, but actually it's it's not by Christina Aguilera. I don't know. No one really knows who made it. Um, it's just like some random girl, <laughs> I think. Um but I think this is very uh, emblematic for the way that people would find music in the like early or mid 2000s because we were so dependent on like a lot of people would get their music from uh, stuff like places like LimeWire or Kazaa, like places where you could download music uh, because this was even before YouTube was a thing and you didn't have Spotify or or any of that kind of stuff. So if if you didn't have enough money to buy CDs all the time that you then everyone was like illegally downloading their music from these kinds of platforms but there were so many fakes circulating on there um, like also viruses and, and and a lot of fakes and hoaxes uh, because people could give a song any title they wanted and then if you downloaded it it could be something completely different um, so I remember in my iTunes library there were so many songs that I actually didn't they were just by like some kind of random band and then they would have the name like it, it's a song by Green Day or it's a song by this person. But actually then you listen to it and it's something completely <laughs> different. Um, something that also happened a lot was uh, the speech by Bill Clinton about uh, Monica Lewinsky. Um, like I did not have sexual relationships with that woman. Like that speech was often um, circulating and, and like labeled as a song by... I don't know, Tattoo or Britney Spears or whatever. And then people would download it and be like, ah, I've been pranked. Mm -hmm. And so this song was one of those things that was just kind of circulating in this space of illegal downloads that no one could really trace to any kind of origins or knew, no one knew where it really came from. Uh, so I think that's really interesting and really like kind of one of those internet mysteries. Mm -hmm. Like, is that maybe the ultimate fandom goal that you're... Your, what you do becomes, well, no, maybe it's nice to still be identified with it. I guess that somehow got lost at one point as a fan, but maybe not always. I yeah. don't know. I think it's also interesting to just become part of the lore and mm -hmm. yeah, like this kind of anonymity to it. I, I think that can also be liberating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that, that people are like, okay, we're going to counter this, this by um, Eminem mm -hmm. and like uh, make... Uh, 
Christina Aguilera. But it's so funny because it also doesn't sound like Christina Aguilera at all. But at the time, everyone believed it was her. <laughs> like, I also believed it was her. So it's like really kind of a collective illusion that's being created. So it's almost like writing fan fiction in real life, just like creating the fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's move a bit further in time. Um, what are you a fan of today? Yeah, I'm still a fan of a lot of things. So um, Britney Spears is still with me, of course. <laughs> I'm still a big fan of hers. Uh, and then there's also... Um, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but people can't see this, but I'm, very, I'm actually wearing a Britney, Britney Spears t-shirt. So Very cool. What does it say? Britney and now watch me Spears. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a picture of Britney Spears dancing with the snake um, at the 2003 VMAs. But for some reason, they gave it like kind of a Metallica um, mm-hmm. vibe with like the font of the letters. So it's weird. Is it like from her fan shop or from like... No, a, it's like yeah. from some random Instagram nice. account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, some other uh, person I wanted to talk about that I'm a big fan of um, is Hannah Diamond. Um, actually saw her live two weeks ago in, in Brussels, uh, which was really, really cool. Uh, she's an English artist, and I've been listening to her for yeah almost seven years now. She released her first album in 2019. And she, I think the reason why I like her music so much is because it really refers back to all of those early 2000s musical tropes. Um, like it's very sparkly, very, um, very girly. There's always like, a, it's very like kind of bubblegum pop, but then there's also often like a, kind of a, a techno beat um beneath like the beneath like all the girly lyrics um so that's like really cool juxtaposition um yeah and her lyrics are very like kind of often very simple and and or like this deceptively simple uh, always about themes like heartbreak or falling in love um But I don't know, somehow it feels like there's some kind of a depth beneath this seeming simplicity of the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's like one of the main uh, one of the main people I'm I'm into right now. Nice. How did you discover her? Uh, through a friend of mine who, um, yeah, he's like a guy who is, he's like a super, yeah, he, he knows like all of these kind of underground bands. He's like a super music head Um And so, yeah, he's like a, a really cool person to discover stuff through him. Um, so he recommended her to me uh, seven years ago. And then since then, I kept following her, even when she only even when she was only posting like some obscure stuff on YouTube. I would always listen to it. And yeah, so I was really happy when she finally released her first album. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, And uh, okay, let's get back to Britney Spears. I also want to know more about your relation with her. You you said you're also in a lot of fan forums for about Britney Spears. Are you also actively engaging in them, or how does that work? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm also actively posting mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah, I really I really enjoy that. I think it's um, I think it's so cool also to interact with people online in a space um, that's not like one of the big social media platforms because it still feels very I don't know like interacting on spaces like Facebook or Instagram it's very you're really like driven by the algorithm in a way and 
you kind of you can sense that you're being manipulated in all these mm -hmm. invisible ways that you don't really understand um and the forum it feels so it's something from a different age almost um like a previous incarnation of the internet and it feels like something from a simpler and more more innocent time in a way mm -hmm. um also because on on social media you have like all these kind of filter bubbles and the algorithm kind of decides like what content you're gonna see based on what you've previously liked or or looked at and in the end you end up in this kind of bubble where you don't really see any opposing opinions or or you're just kind of in an echo chamber mm. and on a forum i think it's really interesting because you you share this one common interest in this case britney spears but other than that like these people are from all different walks of life they're all over the political spectrum like on the britney forum you have like people who are very progressive you have a lot of queer people but then you also have like um right-wing republicans on there mm -hmm. because they're also just a fan of the same music and that's really sometimes it's a difficult confront sometimes it's difficult to be confronted with these opinions that are so different from my own but i also think it's very valuable to still um engage with people who have such a different perspective because mm -hmm. if you never engage with those people anymore then you just kind of get locked up in your own worldview and you kind of lose sight of what a lot of other people think but also so so people also talk about their political views somehow like this yeah. yeah it does come up sometimes yeah because actually on most fan forums there's also like some kind of subboard which is on like general discussion or stuff like this so then people also dis discuss other other stuff mm -hmm. yeah so that's really interesting mm -hmm. yeah oh, that's nice mm -hmm. mm. And how was it when like the movie came out, the documentary, and then there was probably also a lot going, a lot of discussions going on, or also yeah. now after the conservatorship was finally ended, or um, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, the forum was really well. I I actually didn't watch the um, the documentary because I was like, because also people on the forum were saying like it's it's good if you don't really know that much about the situation. It's a good introduction, but for me it was like I've already read so much about this. Mm -hmm. um, And I remember especially uh, before the documentary came out, there were like a lot of research threads on the forum, but like people actually delving into all the court documents surrounding the conservatorship. And there was a lot of like actual work being done, like a lot of actual research being done. And um, yeah, I think it was uh, people were so happy i think when the documentary was aired and then there was a lot of public awareness and attention mm -hmm. for it and people kind of felt vindicated in a way like finally um like people kind of see that we're that we're right that we were right about this and that we're not just like conspiracy theorists or something something like this mm -hmm. um yeah and then every time when there was like a court hearing you would get these like really you you would get like a, a big thread like a mm. live discussion thread which would yeah where people would post like really really quickly you would get like in one second you would get like 20 replies so mm -hmm. like these huge threads with people mm -hmm. just kind of having this communal experience as well like you're you're all like watching some kind of live stream or and then you're all commenting on this together on this forum mm -hmm. even though you're separate and you're in all different time zones and different continents mm -hmm. Yeah, that's nice. Or just online community somehow. Mm, mm. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, let's get to the next segment, which is about fan moments. It was there like were specific moments where you maybe met someone or like something that was like a very special, like intense fan moment for you. Is there something that you can think of? A very intense fan moment for me. Um, I have to think about this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Should we go to the... Um, well, you know what? We can listen to the next song and then okay, if you yeah. want to, we can back, get back to it. Okay, that's a good idea. Then I'll have to think about it. <laughs> so then now we're going to listen to Pulp. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Let's get back to the fan moment, if you want. Yeah. Um, so I think one moment that was uh, really important for me, uh, this was when I was still really young. I think I was 10 years old. Um, and that was when I uh, first got into Lord of the Rings. So when I saw the first movie at the theater. Um, and I actually went back to the cinema uh, 12 times to see the <laughs> movie again because I just wanted to keep watching it. Um, and yeah, so that was something that really, really... Um, had such a big impact on me. Then after the first movie came out, I read all of the books, like the trilogy, and then also the Silmarillion that really goes into the background of the fantasy world. Um, and I think, yeah, that was such a, a moment that really shaped me also probably as a as a writer or in terms of like me wanting to become a writer um, because I was so fascinated by this ability of a writer to create like a whole world, like a fantasy world, out of nothing or out of the imagination, like the power of the imagination. Um, and this was also, um, I also had like one of my, uh, like m one of my main friendships at this time was also kind of, well, it didn't revolve around Lord of the Rings, but Lord of the Rings kind of found its way into the friendship as well. Um, so it was me and my brother and my best friends at the time. And we, uh, The three of us were really into Lord of the Rings and we would, um, each of us created like an elf identity for ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so the three of us were like these three elves. We invented like a um, like a whole backstory for ourselves. Like we were three, um, three sisters and then we um, created like a palace where we lived and all this kind of stuff. And at this time we played outside a lot of the time, like out in the, in, in the streets and um, like all these kinds of landmarks in the neighborhood, like this shrub was our palace and this tree was like our, our camp. And yeah, so it was really so much fun to transform our whole, like our lived environment became transformed and became something else through our own imagination, which was um, sparked by the imagination of Tolkien. So I think that was a really, yeah, just such a fun way to engage with fiction and fandom and friendship mm -hmm. yeah that sounds beautiful yeah i love mm, that yeah it was a really fun time <laughs> mm -hmm. how old were you then uh i must have been around this was probably between 10 and 12 years old mm, yeah nice um well that leads to the next question somehow if you ever did something crazy uh out of fandom or as a fan um, yeah, so, well, I mean, it's not super crazy, but it's, it's just a little bit embarrassing, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so when I was in, um, I think, first or second year of secondary school, um, I had a friend uh, and the both of us were really big fans of Star Wars because this was the time when um, 
I think the second of the Star Wars prequels had just come out um, and we were huge fans of it. Uh, and then the two of us actually wrote like um, a love letter to uh, to one of the actors, to um, Hayden Christensen, who plays Anakin. <laughs> so yeah, we wrote like, I wrote like a, a poem, like a love poem. Oh. And then my friend also wrote like this really long like declaration of love. And then we... We actually sent it like to to some kind of fan mail address. Uh, wow! But we never got a reply. Oh. Uh, yeah, so I remember really Hayden Christensen. Like he was also like in the nineties or two thousands, like a big, yeah, big star. But then I feel like nowadays he kind of disappeared after yeah. doing Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then also another. I also wrote like a, when I was a kid, I wrote a letter to Zorro. I was a very big fan of Zorro. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. So I wrote like a letter to, but I. Because in the series of Zorro, it's like Los Angeles is like just really tiny village. And I thought it was still the case. So I just wrote like a letter, Zorro, Los Angeles. <laughs> and I thought like, oh, it's such a small village. Everyone will know where Zorro lives. Oh, um, that's so cute. Yeah. So those are like the two most embarrassing fandom Aww. moments, I think. <laughs> well, you probably don't. Yeah, you don't have these letters anymore because you sent them. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. Such yeah, a shame. Yeah, they're lost somewhere in the, mm -hmm. in the folds of the universe. Yeah. Well, maybe they arrived. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, do you have some guilty fandom, something you're a fan of, but that you're a little bit ashamed about, like somebody or something? Or um, No, actually not really. Mm -hmm. Like I used to be very ashamed of being a pop fan, um, especially when I was going through my, to my I only listen to rock music mm -hmm. periods when I was like 15 years old. And then, you know, I was trying to impress, like, some of the boys at school who were in indie bands. And then I actually sold a lot of my CDs on eBay, which I still regret to this mm. day. Um, and so ever since this period of time, I'm like, no, I'm I'm never going to be embarrassed about stuff that I enjoy. Like, yes. it's, never, it's never guilty. It's just mm -hmm. fun. And there's nothing wrong with liking something that people think is cheesy or superficial um, life's too short for yeah to be embarrassed about it I think love that <laughs> <laughs> let's finish the fan fiction okay, so um, exciting. <laughs> uh, so we're on the mountain hiking um, who did we talk about we have Eminem and then we have Christina Aguilera uh, who else is with us um Legolas? Oh, Legolas, yeah. Yes. Um, uh, Hayden Christensen, I guess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the singer from Twaris, uh, Johan. Mm -hmm, Johan. Um, okay, that's a big group. Yeah, and then Britney Spears, I guess, Yeah, as well. I mean, yeah, so have to have her. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Oh, that also makes me think of your um, zine about Lindsay Lohan. Oh, no, yeah. We didn't even talk about her, but we don't have enough time. All right, so we're hiking together in this big group. Are we there too, or are they just by themselves? Uh, we can be there too. Yeah, that's yeah. nice. Okay, cool. Uh, what do we talk about? What do we talk about? Um, maybe we're talking about where to find a space to camp for the evening because it's already <laughs> in the afternoon and it's getting late and we're all tired. So. Yeah, okay. Um, um, well, I guess Legolas probably has some good abilities on like finding a spot. And yeah, I, I think he also has like uh, the technical skills to maybe build some tents out of 
sticks wood. and twigs and yeah, yeah leaves. good decision yeah. to have him in yeah exactly <laughs> he's like the survivor uh the survivor of the group yeah well well all the other other pop stars are just like ah. <laughs> yeah yeah they're like yeah they don't they don't want to mess up their their outfits of course yeah um, probably like wearing high heels and stuff um yeah exactly and eminem is just being like a macho <laughs> but he's not really helping out in any like kind of you useful way mm -hmm. so yeah just like pulling out like uh, like a big big uh words or whatever yeah, yeah exactly mm -hmm. yeah it's just like insulting all of the women and oh my god <laughs> maybe we leave eminem behind at one yeah, point yeah yeah maybe he, he just like yeah yeah he has to go back because he hurts his foot or something <laughs> so. love that okay well then um good night to all the celebrities and to legolas Yeah, and now they're um, camping beneath the starry, the starry yes. sky, <laughs> watching the falling stars. Um, well, then I think it's time to say goodbye. Thank you yeah. so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I yeah, I thought it was a blast. Like really fun, really interesting conversation. So mm -hmm. really happy to be here. For me too. It was a lot of fun. Yes, let's go to the outro. <laughs> What are you a fan of? This was Catch a Fan Feeling. Thank you, Radio Vakarma, for hosting and recording us. The title song is Two Women by Siren. I found it on a Women's Liberation Music Archive, and the band very nicely allowed me to use it. The voice in the intro and outro is Pauline Follings. Concept and editing is by me, Mara Ittel, and thank you so much, Dominique, for being a guest today. If you're a fan of this podcast, then follow Catch a Fan Feeling on Instagram. Boy,